Welcome to The Jury Is Out, a podcast for trial attorneys who want to sharpen their skills and better serve their clients. Your co-hosts are John Simon, founder of the Simon Law Firm, and St. Louis attorney Eric Veith. Welcome to another episode of The Jury Is Out. I'm Eric Veith. And I'm John Simon. Today we're going to talk about starting your own firm. And uh, we, we come from some similar origin stories, and then we have some divergence. So I think we have the option of, of giving people a view of my situation, which is a solo practitioner, which is what I am now. But you started out small too, and now you have your own firm. I'm still, you know, I'm solo after having been with some larger firms over my life. I think almost every one of us, I mean attorneys, at some point has thought about starting out on your own, starting your own firm, whether it's going by yourself or starting out with two or three other attorneys. But I think it's something everybody always thinks about. I started with two attorneys who I had already worked with for 10 years. So I knew them both very, very well. And the other thing that was a big help, we came from a firm that was a very good firm. They're still around, good law firm. And they had a lot of good policies and procedures in place. All the things that they did well, we did. We adopted and we made part of our firm. There's probably an elephant in the room, the, the distinction between starting out your own firm right out of law school. And we've commented on that briefly in other episodes. And that's a, that's an adventure. That's a special breed of people that will just jump out there. And, and I think from my perspective, and I sense yours too, there's a whole lot you learn about the law that's not taught in law school. And so what we got, uh, you and I both started with other firms. We got training for years before we started our own firms. That's a great point, Eric. I mean, I practiced for 15 years before I opened my own firm. And I had been trained by very good lawyers. I knew policies and procedures of the law firm, intake, marketing, all of the things that you really don't learn in law school. I can't imagine starting your own firm right out of law school. And I know some folks have done it. But boy, you talk about a heavy lift. I mean, that is really something. It's one of those things where you don't know what you don't know. It's just so helpful and important to have other lawyers that you can turn to and ask questions or go down the hall. So I think starting out right out of law school on your own, that's impressive. I mean, if somebody's able to do that and makes it a success, my hat's off to them. I think that is incredible. It says a lot about them. I think that when we think about a law firm intuitively, just about my law firm, I think about physical things. I think about a building and people and copy machines and that sort of thing. But there's something that you just touched on that's critically important about being with other people. And that's that you you think of things that are about you and your way of thinking. But when you're with other people, you're actually thinking as a collaborative. And it is such a powerful thing to be able to go down the hall and to run an idea by somebody. And to have, of course, you got to have the right attitude. You got to trust the process when you go into a, another lawyer's office and say, I got a case I'm working on. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. And uh, John, I know I've seen you in this situation. If everybody goes, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. You're disappointed. You want pushback. You know, what am I doing wrong? What am I missing? That kind of thing. And that makes us all sharper. I'm in a solo practice, but I reach out to other people all the time you've got that right in your own firm. And I, I assume that you would agree with me on that, that that's a critical part of what you do. Oh, it is. It is. No question. I benefited from that the first 15 years of practice working at a first, a large defense firm, worked with some really good attorneys who took the time to, to help me learn what I needed to learn. And then uh, the second firm was a smaller firm, plaintiff's firm, 
with uh, maybe 10 or 12, when I was there, probably 10 or 12 attorneys at any given time. Again, just excellent attorneys. Two of them I left that firm with and started my firm in the year 2000, actually 21 years ago. 21 years later, we're at 14 lawyers and probably 55 people altogether. I started thinking about why, and there's way more good in the firm that I left. I mean, there was way, way more good than things that I didn't like, but I think part of it was I just thought that there were some things that I could do or we could do better. I first tried to initiate some changes in the firm that I was at, and then I started talking to one of the other lawyers. We started at that firm together, and we had always talked about going out on our own. And I will tell you, rather than it being something that I wasn't happy with at the other firm or something that I didn't like, I think more it was just the excitement of starting something new because we'd always talked about it. And then finally, when we started taking some steps, some concrete steps to actually look into it, it just became exciting. I mean, it really re-energized and recharged both of us. The why for me was We just wanted to do something new. We wanted to create something that wasn't there. We wanted to do it on our own. We wanted to do it our way. I will tell you, in 21 years, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of work whether you're at your own firm or you've joined another firm, but it just doesn't seem like work when it's your own place. It really doesn't. Take me back to your first day where you started your new firm and you actually got all your stuff in your office and now you sit down in your chair and you're going to start working. What's the emotion that you felt? We gave our firm months notice, several months notice, and we left on good terms. And we rented space actually in the same building. And we rented space and we thought we had this all timed perfectly. Our first day open, we were going to get the copiers delivered and some of the furniture delivered. We had all this stuff set up. The three of us showed up for our first day at the new firm. And it was the same day that the St. Louis Rams had their Super Bowl parade downtown and our office is downtown. All the streets were closed, so we didn't get anything. We didn't get copiers. We didn't get furniture. And it's one of those things where if you don't get it on Monday, it's not like you immediately you're on their list for the next day. So we went for a little while, a few weeks, a couple weeks, I think, working out of a single conference room table, some folding chairs, and our files were in boxes. And I think we had one tabletop phone. We didn't have the, the iPhones or the cell phones at the time. That's how we got started. Not much in the office. Looking back, it was a really cool way to get started. I split off from your firm after 10 good years with John Campbell and Alicia Campbell. And there were three of us. John was now teaching in Denver at the time. And uh, Alicia was in Denver. And we we worked as a three-person firm for, I think, about three years. And it became interesting that we didn't have a physical office. Again, my instinct is when I think about the law firm, how are things at the law firm? I have this visual image of desks and copy machines and all that. Our plan was to have a paperless firm. And so it it changes your conception of what it is to be a lawyer and what it is to have a law firm when you are basically carrying around a laptop and a cell phone and you might have a pad of paper. My favorite piece of equipment was my scanner. I tried to put everything into digital as soon as I could. And you start thinking about, wait a minute, the, the, the stuff that makes a law firm is not all that physical stuff. It's the relationships with the other attorneys. It's your ability to pull information often out of the sky, you know, with uh, Westlaw or other software programs. The ability to delegate, and what we did in our firm is we delegated often through software. You know, we, we tried to cut the overhead and try to get things done without additional people. And it actually worked out really well for three years. 
it became a little hard to, to work together when they were in Denver all the time. So three years ago, I, I split off on my own, but I learned a lot of good lessons about what it is really to be a lawyer because it's not the physical stuff. We had a co-working space here in St. Louis is called CIC, where you don't have a space that you can lock. It's a co-workspace. You can sit there in a big room if you want and just do your work. It's in a very convenient part of town. You can use their meeting rooms. They have copy machines. They have someone who will greet your clients if they come uh, before meetings. But it's not a it's not a space that I own. It's a space that I show up, I use, and I leave. I, I just read a statistic. Uh, this is from Clio, and I don't know how they define this, but they say only 60% uh, and, and this is a couple of years ago, 60% of solo practitioners have commercial space. Once you have more than one lawyer, it becomes almost all of them have commercial space. But for me, and, and actually for Campbell Law, we we use CIC and it became a different conception of who we were, who we were and what we're doing and how we're getting it done. We see that even now with the corona pandemic, we had a while where nobody was coming to the office for some period of time. And then we started coming back slowly. And right now we're, quote, fully back, but we're still leaving it to the individual person to decide whether or not they want to come in or if they're able to do their work from home. We're fine with that. I think probably about a third at most of our employees have come back full time to the office, probably a third. And it's like you said, we've learned to do things remotely. We've learned to be more efficient doing it remotely. And I just really don't see the profession going back to where we were pre-pandemic. I just don't. And I think there's pluses and minuses to that. Of course, there's the overhead if you don't need as big of an office. But the lesson that I've seen over and over is that there's nothing like face-to-face -face contact. There's something that happens when human animals get together and see each other with their own eyeballs and, mm -hmm. and talk to each other and, and react and you see smiles. And it's better than Zoom even. It's not that Zoom can catch it all. It's much better than telephone, there's something about seeing each other in a hall in those chance meetings. I think that's what we're losing, not working together. It's the group environment, engaging on a, on a constant basis, walking down the hall, walking across the hall into somebody's office. It's the creativity. It's just explosive sometimes. And you're right, we are missing out. Sitting at home by yourself and doing things remotely, even if it's a conference call, a Zoom call, it's not the same. I'll give you this example. Motions before they were remote and on Zoom, Going to a motion consisted of getting your briefcase, packing your stuff up, taking a three or four block walk. Our office is about three or four blocks from the courthouse downtown. And most often that's more than you by yourself. It's you and another lawyer, me and another attorney. And it's talking about that motion on the way there. It's talking about it while you're sitting in the courtroom right in the hallway. It's arguing the motion and then having a conversation with the other lawyer about what just happened. Why did the judge decide the way they were deciding? What did the defense counsel say? What can we read from that? What did we pick up from that? And the other thing that's a big deal that we're missing not being in person is a lot of times you can just pick up on little things that your opponent says, a comment that they make, and it'll give you some insight as to what they're thinking about your case. So I think opening up an office nowadays, you have, you know, you have to consider the fact that a lot of stuff can be done remotely, no question. And it's not going back to full time and, and no more remote. I think that's all here to stay. But on the other hand, there are some downsides. So Eric, let me ask you this. Speaking of upsides and downsides, what advice would you have 
for our listeners who are thinking about going out on their own, starting a firm, specifically, what do you see as the upside, the benefit of doing that? And what do you see as some of the downside? I think the downside is what we already covered. If I'm a solo firm, it's not as easy to find people to bounce ideas off of. I have to find someone to call or uh, set up a, a launch or what, what I do. I often ask people if they want to take a walk through the park, we, we walk and talk. So it's not as readily able to, to bump into people and talk about cases. That's probably the main downside to a solo firm. Although it's a virtual firm in a way, because I do have a network of people. So uh, I had a trial coming up last, last month and it's just me. And I needed some help for Vardire for sure and some other things. And I pulled an attorney out of retirement. A friend of mine had just retired and, and I asked her, I said, hey, wouldn't it be fun to try a jury trial? And she said, I don't know. And I, and I kept at it. She goes, I think it would be fun. Let's do it. So I, I do have a, a stable of people who like working with me and would just like to do it because believe it or not, you know, law, practicing law can be fulfilling and fun. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of times it's tedious doing your motions to compel and things like that. But there's a lot of, there's, you know, trying a case is exciting and uh, so I, that's that's my approach for filling in where I need some help. I would say that the downside is some of the things we've already talked about, not having somebody to bounce stuff off of or mentors. I started out with two other lawyers, and we had worked together for a long time before we started our own firm. And so I didn't miss it that much. My two new partners were the two that I went to. They were the go-to folks at the old firm. So I didn't really miss a beat in that part. But I think the thing that really took some getting used to was all of the other things. When you're at a firm, especially if you're at a bigger firm with more resources, you don't think about anything other than your client and your case, for the most part. You're not thinking about rent, you're not thinking about hiring, you're not thinking about the business side of the practice, the administration stuff, human resources, malpractice insurance, year-end quarterly returns if you're a partnership, all these things. Especially, I mean, a good example is what we went through with the pandemic, doing everything remotely, getting computers out to all the employees, if you're at a big firm and you are an attorney there and you're not involved in administration, guess what? Something happens, you pick up the phone or you send an email and, hey, I need this, and magically it appears. And if you're starting a firm with two or three lawyers or five lawyers or less or somewhere in that range, you're going to have the administration hat on, no question. A small firm, you really don't have the luxury of having a full-time professional administrator a lot of times and a full-time bookkeeper or accountant. So you're wearing a bunch of different hats. And you're probably learning things and doing things that you're not real comfortable with right off the bat. My background's in business. I'm an accountant. My undergrad training was in accounting. I've worked for accounting firms through school. So that part of it, the business part of it, was almost second nature for me. I mean, that's a good fit for me. But I know in a lot of other attorneys that I've worked with, that's not the case. So I think those are things that you need to, I don't, I'm not saying they're bad things, but you just need to adjust and get used to the fact that you're going to be doing a whole bunch of other stuff other than just working on your cases. I think of you as a full-time attorney, but then I know you're running a law firm. And by running a law firm, you're doing all those things you just mentioned. And I'm just curious as, and also you're, you're, you're in charge of your own marketing. It's almost like you're wearing three hats. And I'm wondering how that plays out in a typical month. It's changed significantly from the time we first started until today. And it's just because of the fact that we're bigger and we have more resources. The first three, four, five years, we had a, an administrator slash bookkeeper that kind of did both. We didn't have a full-time marketing person. 
now we're really blessed. In the past, I guess, 10, 15 years, we've had full-time administrators, and you know, Angela is our office administrator, and I mean, I've never seen anybody better. She's just absolutely terrific. As she puts it, her job is to let me do my job, which is to, to work on cases and practice law. But we have a tremendous administrative team, a full-time accountant, bookkeeper. We've got a full-time administrator, a full-time marketing person. We've got intake folks. And so now it's not rolling up the sleeves and actually doing those things as much. You're still involved and you're still getting questions and pulled into it because something comes up or we need new computers or we need a new phone system. And all of those things I'm involved in, but it's really in, give me the short version of what we need. And the bottom line is when you have people who you work with and depend on that you can trust completely, it makes my job very easy. Although I am ultimately the person in charge of all of those things, I'm not doing them day to day now. I really spend the vast majority of my time, probably 90% on marketing and working on cases because I do I do like marketing and I spend a lot of time on that. So shall I draw a contrast to my team compared to your team? Sounds good. Okay. My, my team is mostly uh, software. This is a drawback and also it's, it's often fun, but it's also a drawback when something breaks. You know, I guess I could call someone, but I like being self-sufficient. I like handling emergencies at 2 a.m. If I got an idea and I want to file a, a motion, I can do it. I have the Microsoft Office suite, which is you know, Microsoft Word and Excel and those sorts of tools that everybody knows about. I heavily rely upon paperless uh, approach. So I scan everything I got. I put it into a program. I use uh, PDF Expert, but there's also a Adobe uh, Acrobat Pro. These are programs that allow you to annotate, put bookmarks, and you can treat digital documents just like paper if you turn them into OCR, optical character recognition. So I also have another program called Fine Reader that turns images into readable images. I do my billing and my bookkeeping through a program that's online. It's called Cosmolex. I think it's about $800 per year, and it's really slick. And there's other competitors. I know Clio does uh, good work. There's a lot of firms out there. But you can actually go online, put your day's work in, because I do consumer work and, a, and, a, and other fee-shifting cases. I need to bill my time. I need to account for what I'm doing on a number of my cases. So you put that in, and at the end of the year, you hit some buttons, and it spits out reports. It's pretty cool. And I don't go outside the, my own firm for that. Occasionally, I need to make exhibits. So I have a passion for photography, and I, and I know Photoshop very well. Uh, and I use that to make exhibits quite often. Something that's happened in the last two years, I find a lot of use for, uh, I want to make a transcript. Wow, the tools out there right now are amazing. I use Otter AI, Otter.ai. There's other programs out there that do this. But what if the, uh, a new potential client calls up? And John, I know you've seen this. They're, they're full of passion and excitement and fears and whatever. And they want to talk, talk, talk sometimes. I don't want to try to keep up with them with my note taking. And so I record, I say, let's, let's do it by zoom. I'll record your conversation. I'll put it into Otter AI. I get a transcript. It's pretty good. It might be, you know, 98% accurate. And out of that, I can, if we take the case, I can, uh, you know, write the petition based on that. I can have further conversations with them where I need to follow up. That's awesome. Uh, I have video cutting programs. If I want to cut a video exhibit for trial, I have trial software. There's a, a trio of programs called Transcript Pad, Trial Pad, and Doc Review Pad. And John, I don't know if you've ever seen seen uh, any of these programs. They work on an iPad. Have and, not. And you spit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> said the man Have who not. is ambivalent about computers. You put the 
deposition into the iPad, you can sit on a lawn chair, you can do whatever you want. You can use your finger to highlight parts of that, label the different parts of the deposition in different ways. You can add notes to why this is important and you can spit out reports. So now you have a boiled down version of your deposition very easily. Uh, and the uh, doc review pad, same thing. You can cull through the documents, you can take notes. And trial pad allows you to uh, you know, present it all at trial. How long ago was it? 15 years, 10 years ago, you had to hire somebody to actually display your documents at trial. And you say, okay, show me exhibit B. You can do that now. You can stand there with your iPad. It spits through your own Bluetooth network. It doesn't even need a court network, uh, which we all know those, those are sometimes problematic. I use Elementor to uh, create my own website. I have to shop for hosting. And then of course that's getting into IT. If anything goes wrong with your computers, uh, you call your IT person. I assume you have one on staff here? Yes, yeah. I do too, it's me. <laughs> so if something goes wrong, I figure it out. And, and quite often it's something I can figure out or you go to Google or YouTube and it's, it's pretty amazing how often you can work it out. My research is largely Westlaw, although I rely as a, a doing consumer cases on a vast collection of yellow, we call them the yellow books for NCLC. Bernard Brown was one of our guests earlier on. He, he raves about these and, and rightfully so. so. So Eric, how much time do you spend on administrative sort of things as opposed to meeting with the client or what would you describe as lawyer things? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because a lot of this took a lot of train up over many years. And uh, the programs are getting better and better. So I'm, it might sound really complicated that, oh, no, you got to learn 30 programs. A lot of this is second nature now. And a lot of it is so amazingly good that it doesn't break down. So just doing like the bookkeeping and the just billing and, you know, the things that I don't consider meeting with a client, filing pleadings, going to hearings, going to court. I would say it's uh, five hours a week doing that. Now, I'm, I'm speaking as somebody who's old, John, I'm old. I'm 65 and I'm not doing 40, 50, 60 hours. Like in the past, I used to do a lot of long, heavy weeks. So I'm, I'm pulling it back to more like 20, 25 hours a week doing law. And so it's maybe five hours uh, doing the, the stuff that has to get done and 20 hours, 25 hours doing law. We've talked about, let's say the challenges of going out on your own, especially if you're by yourself. What would you tell everybody that is the best thing about being completely on your own. I'll tell you a thought I had recently. I'm doing somewhat of a course correction. I'm fascinated with First Amendment law and sunshine law. So I'm taking cases in those areas. And that was just me realizing that I'm interested in that, that stuff. And I just said, okay, I'll talk to people about what I do. I post on social media sometimes about the cases I'm interested in. You know, here's a case I just I'm working on right now. And so people get to know a little bit about who you are and what your interests are. Part of this is reminding me of uh, Rick Friedman's podcast. Rick was very introspective and said, you got to know who you are. You, know, you got to figure out what you're all about. And then the practice of law will follow that. And when something goes right, you're feeling pretty good. <laughs> I'm going to joke and say you don't have to share the share the credit because you're, you're the only one. doing. And that's not true. Because, you know, my team consists of picking good clients who work with you and, uh, you know, good collaborators in terms of other attorneys I, I ask for feedback on. But it's, uh, it's, it's fun to be on your own and to pick the cases you want to work on and do it the way you want to do it. The downside is what we've already mentioned. 
the, the unknown unknowns. You're, you're having a fun time doing it. You're missing something big. I would say the same thing in a little broader sense. There are more challenges than if you're working at a firm where a lot of things are provided for you, the staff and the administrative stuff. But I think the benefits far outweigh any kind of challenge or downside. I mean, the biggest thing for me was being able to start something and create something that didn't exist. We all have worked at other firms. You and I have worked at other firms, and you see things that you just don't like, maybe how things are approached or how things are done, and you really have an opportunity to do it the way you want to do it. That's number one. You get a real tremendous sense of accomplishment. But I think the other thing, too, is it becomes a lot more meaningful and challenging because it's you. You're doing it. You're going to make it or break it. You're going to succeed at it or not succeed at it. And it almost, to me, and I did this in year 15 of my career, is when I started my own firm, and it was amazing. I was like supercharged with energy. I was reinvigorated with excitement because it's something new. It really wasn't work. I mean, the time flew by, and I think it's because it was something that we were working together to create that didn't exist before. It's a whole different attitude. It was a whole different attitude for me and a whole different view about coming to work in the morning. We're both adjuncts at the local law school, and I, I teach civil trial practice, which is, uh, you know, everything leading up to the trial of the case. I am always impressed with how much better I am given that I'm teaching it. It's a good conversation to have as a practitioner to also work teaching into your routine. And it, it helps keep you sharp. And then you also appreciate how hard it is. Have, have you ever had it where a, a brand new lawyer comes up to you and said, uh, I'm about to take my first deposition and you know I, I don't know what to do. And then you find yourself talking for 10 or 15 minutes. Watch out for this. Make sure you pay good attention to that. Here's how you prepare. And then you might realize, wow, I've learned some things over the years. This is a profession that relies on uh, incremental learning over long periods of time and chewing through it periodically with relationships, teaching. For me, that's maybe more important because I don't have that thing that you got. You can go around the corner in your law firm and find somebody and talk about a case. And it takes me a little more effort to go find somebody. Well, that's a good start on starting your own law firm. I hope you've enjoyed this. We're gonna be back with one more episode on the same topic. We'll see you next time. This is Eric Veith. This is John Simon. Thanks for listening. The Jury Is Out is brought to you by the Simon Law Firm. Share your thoughts with John and Eric at comments at thejuryisout.law. And subscribe today, because the best lawyers never stop learning.